Mama says that alligators are ornery because they got all them teeth but no toothbrush. Yeah, I'm out that Brooklyn. Now I'm down in Tribeca, right next to De Niro, but I'll be hood forever. Hello, and welcome to <laughs> Little Marty, the only podcast on the internet dedicated to covering the works of Martin Scorsese, Adam Sandler, and Jay-Z. My name is Eric Halloween. Mm, and my name is Jeremy the Butcher. You know what I love about that intro, Eric, is how it kind of just dipped into oblivion there at the end. You were kind of, you started out with a, with a big energy, and it kind of just, you got less committed to it as it went on. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's kind of my style. Mm, hmm <laughs> You know, but uh, Jeremy, you know, Jeremy... We're back. We're, right. It's been a while since we've recorded, it and I was has. trying to remember what epi- what we're... I, I couldn't remember this morning if we're doing Scorsese or Sandler. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. You get the two confused pretty easily. I know. Days. I've started to figure out which one is the... Which who which one is Hubie, and which one is uh, Kundun? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but anyway, Jeremy, we got a great episode today, a lot to talk about, great guest, mm-hmm. but first, real quick, there's uh, there's something that we do uh, after all of our, you know, regular show recordings. We do oh. these regular shows, and uh, and then we turn off the lights, we let our hair down, as you like to say. Yeah, oh and yeah. And then what do we do? Well, we, uh, we, we pour ourselves a nice big glass of wine, and then we... Flip on over to patreon.com slash Eric and Jeremy, your source for all of your supplemental materials for the Little Marty podcast. Boy, I tell you, this week is quite a doozy. <laughs> we, we're we covering summer horror films on there, and uh, I guess just for like the time being, we, we actually don't have a time limit on, on this that we've <laughs> set in advance, but uh, we, we started out with a banger, uh, Cheerleader Camp from 1988. Boy, oh boy. I just finished watching that movie. We have yet to record the episode, but man, do I! I got some thoughts on Cheerleader Camp. I'll tell you what. Yeah. Uh, most of yeah. them, most of them, sh- uh, very positive. <laughs> Shining review for Cheerleader Camp from 1988. But yeah, you can you can get like hundreds of hours of us recording on there, talking about movies, talking about television shows. A little Crypt Keeper here. A little uh, the baby there. <laughs> a little uh, right. a little uh, 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 top. 50 comedies as ranked by Rolling Stone magazine. Um, uh, quite possibly one of the absolute uh, worst lists we've ever found on the internet. Uh, we read through it. Good stuff on that patreon.com slash Eric and Jeremy. Oh, yeah. Great stuff. And you know what, Jeremy? I've said it before on the podcast. I'll say it again. Back in, uh, what year is it? 2021? Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm going back into the archives. It looks mm. like since... All right, this is taking longer than I thought. <laughs> since tw- two, at least 2019. Okay, June 3rd of 2019. I've said it before and I'll say it again. We both pressed record for our first Patreon episode. Wow. Haven't stopped recording. Wow. 
Wow. You can listen to our episodes, and you can also listen to our lives in between <laughs> yeah. recording episodes. You can hear us go from happy to sad to somewhere in between, yeah. which is where we've stayed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We've both been wearing those microphones that uh, like motivational speakers wear when they're like speaking in a you know in, in an arena that like wraps around their ears. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Anyway, Patreon.com/slash Eric and Jeremy for all of your. Bonus content needs. Jeremy, let's uh, let's dive into New York, New York. But first, we got a little uh, we got a little surprise guest on this episode, don't we? Oh yeah, we got uh, the big man himself, the the cute man, the uh, one of a kind man, Michael Hearn, uh, resident filmmaker extraordinaire. How you doing, Michael? I'm doing good. Hey, it's me, Dan O'Bannon's Return of the Living Hearn, a horror classic. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, by the great Dan O'Bannon. Uh, Hearn, we've had you on the show before. Uh, what was your first, what was, maybe a couple of times, right? Or maybe just once? Mm, I think maybe once. Uh, once. Well, we talked about uh, an episode of yeah, The Return, I believe. Yes, and I think I was trying to get on to some uh, Wes Anderson slash Paul Thomas Anderson Oh, you were on our uh, Lost Highway episode. That's oh, right. Yes, yeah, Lost Highway go. as well. Yes, yes. Yeah, Lost right. Highway. And uh, so two Lynch. You did double Lynch, two double Lynch. Lynch. Um, now you're doing uh, a little taste of Marty. Yeah, even though so. it was my fault, you guys did the free Andersons. Uh, I didn't get yeah, to be Yeah, so you're responsible for us <laughs> yeah. watching every Paul W.S. Oh, yeah. Anderson movie. <laughs> How was Event Horizon, boys? <laughs> oh, my God. Don't even don't even bring it up. Event Horizon is like my own personal Event Horizon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's a good way to describe it. <laughs> I did watch Shopping because of you guys, and that wasn't too bad. No, that actually, um, you know, even though the, we do lower the, the, our score that we gave to shopping every episode, uh, <laughs> it, it, it isn't the worst At one the of his At the time, movies. yeah. Yeah, it is, it is fine. It's very 90s. It yeah, it's For very sure. 90s action, sort of like pre-Michael Bay action film. I like it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but yeah, to no, today Marty. we're talking about uh, something a little bit more prestigious is uh, 1977's New York, New York, directed by Martin Scorsese. Michael, I was uh, immediately wanting to have you on this episode, very invested in wanting to have you on that episode, because you recently went to the New Beverly and saw this film with a a live audience. That's correct. Yeah, they had like a new print at the New Beverly, and I had never seen this film before. It was a blind spot for me for Martin Scorsese and De Niro and Minnelli. And I wanted to see it on the bait screen. I tried to get you involved too, but I think it schedules just randomly didn't work out. Yeah, uh, but a bummer. Yeah, I, but I've been going back hard to the new Beverly. It's been awesome to see it back uh, since maybe May or was June the first mm. month. It was basically, I've only been there a little bit so far, but still like getting to go a few times a month again for the first time in forever was really exciting. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I definitely wanted to go to that. I am so bummed that I didn't get to. And it's my and it's like my podcast. I'm covering the I'm covering <laughs> the man, and I didn't even go. But uh, but you went, and uh, how how was the experience of seeing New York, New York with a live audience? It was great. I mean, the print was really beautiful. I think it's new. It was new for the showing of it all. Uh, people were really into it. I feel like that's the upside of the New Beverly is very much a you know. Uh, repertoire theater that is like all about the experience of it so they cater to it they really let you soak in the movie mm. uh the movie itself was a lot of fun with an audience to some degree like there are times where it's like we're all groaning together we're all laughing together we're all 
uh, clapping for Liza at the end of a song together. And I think just all that added to it. Um, And it wasn't like a super late showing or anything. It was just, or a double feature for that matter. It was just its own contained experience, which was cool. Uh, don't always. I got a question for you. So sure. you know how you'll watch, you'll watch, uh, you know, and maybe a film that may have some like, it may be a little bit outdated, mm-hmm. uh, in some in some ways. You'll be watching it with a crowd, and people will laugh at something that is maybe not necessarily supposed to be funny, but like they laugh at it because it's like, oh, that wouldn't that wouldn't be that wouldn't fly today, or that's kind of outdated. Was there anything like that? Any sort of uh, chuckles or just odd reactions from the crowd to this movie? Not for this one specifically. I have been to the New Beverly where, and I feel like it's the opposite. I feel like everyone, when something like that happens, everyone's out doing themselves to try to be like the loudest groaner or something. Where like, I've we've watched cartoons there or older movies there that have like an occasional thing, like, and some people will gasp or like make a point to be like, oh, that's a little dated or something in their reaction. I don't think New York, New York specifically did that. I feel like everyone was willing to accept its wavelength a little bit, and I don't know. I don't, I don't recall any moment where it felt weird that people were reacting to it that way. I feel like people were kind of on its... Uh, they got what it was putting down, even acknowledged its time. But hmm. it's happened before a little bit where, like, yeah, we've all watched something that's a little like, yeah, we all know that we're better than this now, but yeah, it was for the time. I don't think New Beverly uh, goes out of its way to show stuff like that either, but it just sometimes happens. It's like, uh, you know, the New Beverly is in L.A., Hollywood, California, for people who don't know. It's uh, sort of a trend in our fair town that if you, uh, you know... You don't know. You don't just want to recognize that something is outdated. You want to make sure everyone around you knows you know it's outdated. <laughs> so, basically, uh, yeah. So, it, yeah. The the uh, the it seems to be a competition and who can look like the most virtuous <laughs> in a, in a crowd of people. But uh, yeah, I think there's a lot in this film that potentially could elicit a groan or two. Uh, this movie is absolutely crazy and absolutely cinematic so i'm really jealous that you got to see this in theaters because wow wow especially that dream sequence towards the end i bet that was Mm -hmm. just like uh, amazing because it was amazing watching it in my living room let alone with like a whole room full of people that would have been great yeah i definitely uh, appreciated seeing it that way they catered a little bit to it too like they play sometimes they play cartoons or short films or like trailers catered to it with New York, New York, they played a couple of trailers for De Niro and Nelly. Like they played a cabaret trailer that was really cool, and uh, then they played a cartoon where it was a bunch of like it was like this very old style cartoon of like a bunch of animals playing different instruments, and it was just like a goofy like version of Old MacDonald had a farm, and I think mm-hmm. they were just like setting in like yeah, it's going to be a little antiquated and goofy, but like these are the people who made it. This is the film. I think they did a good job of catering to it. Um, and I had fun with it. Michael, what's your history with uh, the the Spaghetti Man, Martin Scorsese, <laughs> uh, the uh, Mister Mister Pizza Roll? Yeah, you know, I I, I get what your guys are putting down. The uh, Screaming Sicilian uh, himself. Um, Screaming Sicilian. That's actually pizza. Uh, I liked him a lot. I've always kind of like I know I have some blind spots, and occasionally I I break them out like. Actually, earlier this year, I saw Age of Innocence for the first time. I tracked that one out. And 
I don't know, like, I feel like all of his more gentler or seemingly gentler films are my blind spots. Like, I haven't gone around the Tundan. I did see Silence in Feeders, uh, but, like, yeah, like, I'm familiar with all his dancer movies. I'm familiar with The Wolf of Wall Streets and The Shire Islands. I'm even familiar with, like, The Bringing Out the Deads. Um, and I'm generally a fan of him. Like, I really like his cinematic style. I really like, uh, how different, like, a lot of his projects end up being. And I like, uh... I don't know, like, I'm on his side with the whole Marvel thing, so <laughs> I like him. Uh-huh. Uh, but, um, yeah, like, occasionally there is, just, just from being a varied uh, director who's been working around for a lot, uh, there are, like, a few blind spots here and there that I haven't tracked into. New York, New York was one of them. Mm. Yeah, that's, uh, that's good. It's kind of a, one of the, one of the first guys you really get into when you're like, I'm going to get into film. Yeah. He's a good place to start. I mean, him and Lynch, yeah. Oh, wow, yeah. You're like, I'm a serious film observer now. Yeah, I've gone I've gone from, uh, I've gone over the edge here. Mm-hmm. No one can stop me now. Are you talking to me? Is what I'm saying. When, uh, when people are asking me, why are you watching so much Martin Scorsese films? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, so, <laughs> so is this is this all of our first time seeing this movie then? Because it, it was then. for me. I guess that's Jeremy. Yes. Yeah, dude. Yeah, I, I this is this is again right. this is a blind spot for me. Um, it's one that I tend to forget that he made, and I feel like tell me if you guys think I'm wrong. This film is not really celebrated quite like the other ones. You know, there's there's like a handful of no. Scorsese movies that, you know. You, they just kind of like fell by the wayside. We're not really sure who owns them. Like I have a Blu-ray copy of New York, New York, because that's the only way to watch it. Like is right. to buy it on Blu-ray. Uh, and the Blu-ray is like, similar. you could, you could tell it's just junk. You know what I mean? This Blu-ray print is junk. It came in basically paper and it's like, it's like, <laughs> it like disintegrated into sand as soon as I put it into my, into my, uh, my PS5. It is uh, was New York, New York, just written on yeah. on like a <laughs> yeah. blank disc, on a blank CD, yeah, and a little yeah. drawing of a flower on there. And I was like, "Come on, like this is a." Uh, I feel like this is a movie that's very ripe for the Criterion Collection because it's again the Criterion seems to like really hone in on like maybe uh underdog films or films that weren't uh super celebrated in their time in in some ways and uh this i feel like is is right up there with uh you know some of some of scorsese's other lesser knowns uh but this is crazy this this movie's like like a lot of movie you know what i mean this ain't no boxcar bertha (laughs) it's a lot and it's like the high points are really high I will say, like, the one, just to get into it right away, the one problem that I have with this movie is I don't like, I mean, like, Jimmy Doyle, Robert De Niro's character is, like, annoying. Oh, like he's, uh, he's not- <laughs> worse than annoying. He's a he's a complete psychopath. Yeah. He's basically his character from Cape Fear <laughs> in this movie. Yeah, for real. <laughs> he's a psycho. Uh, yeah. And in the beginning, it's kind of charming and funny in a way. How he's just like doing the same shtick with all the women at the party or whatever, mm-hmm. and it just gets uh, it kind of got old really fast for me. Where I was really at a certain point, and by a certain point, I mean like a quarter of the way into the movie. Really, just waiting for all of the Liza Minnelli moments. Yeah, like all of those great, 
the not just the songs, but her entire performance is yeah, top notch. I uh, I'm I'm a I'm with you, Eric. Except I actually like De Niro's character, uh, and here's why. I I I don't know if he was ever charming, but he's not charming through 2021 eyes at all. This guy is constantly forcing Liza Minnelli to do stuff against her will. I mean, even in the Wikipedia, we're going to read it. There's like lines <laughs> that say like she has to do something against her will. He is like a very uh, a very toxic, aggressive, masculine character. Um, and you know what? It's like feels like a more truthful telling of the uh, the La La Land scenario <laughs> that New York, New York yeah. could have been. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like talking. We need to talk about La La Land just a little bit as almost a a comparison. La La Land. I is was like trying this, to bring it up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so what do you think, Kern? It's like I feel like La La Land's a little bit more of the lofty uh, yeah. idealism, whereas New York, New York presents like the actual gritty reality of what these two individuals would yeah. really kind of be like. <laughs> well, not to jump too far ahead, but sort of the ending is kind of like the fantasy elements of New York, New York, of like the woulda, coulda, if all things worked out. And mm. they do that in La La Land for sure, to the same yeah. degree. And it's, But I still feel like the difference is La La Land, it's almost fantasy throughout, like almost until the end, and then it just has an additional touch. New York, New York, it is, yeah, we're seeing like a very realistic depiction of like these beaten down kind of miserable musicians some of which were actually like musicians that were cast in this yeah and then like uh then we like see like the behind the scenes that makes them so like grizzled and upset and then we finally get to like the la la land like what could have been the few people who get the fame out of it and you know it's sort of still some of the reality behind it um, yeah yeah uh, jimmy ridiculous. doyle as a character is uh, absolutely volatile he's absolutely Correct. uh uh i would say an anti-hero um, not not a not not a heroic man in any respect. <laughs> he's he's sort of everything wrong with men, and I kind of love his character for that. But <laughs> he's not a good he's not a good guy at all. He's he's like overly he's everything wrong that you don't want to be in a relationship. He's overly jealous. He can't let her have the spotlight. He can't let her enjoy success. He's constantly uh, physically abusing her. He's constantly verbally abusing her. He's, he's also an addict and like ruining uh, moments uh, for them. He forces her to marry him at one point. I mean, it is a, uh, it is a kind of a nightmare is one reading of this film. Uh, for mm-hmm. Liza Minnelli's character, anyway, it's almost a, it's as if the film is being is being like Liza Minnelli is so good at singing, she became famous despite Robert De Niro <laughs> trying to hold her yeah. back at every <laughs> given moment. Yeah, and I mean they even kind of like have that almost amusing joke of it all, where it's like De Niro and his band are like impressive, but it's always Liza who comes out on top, and the second she's out of the equation, it's just yeah, it's a band. Like, it is kind of almost the film's reaction of, like, of course we realize Liza's, like, a musical, you know, force to be reckoned with, and everything else around is just normal. So it's almost, she's abnormal, like, just withdrawing from the equation, like, she's saying, yeah, like, De Niro just, like, unravels from there. It's really, really on point about that. Yeah, it's it's Uh, also the exact same premise as La La Land, too. True, yeah. I mean, um... Yeah, there are there are some slight differences here and there, but it is yeah, it is uh, 
Just... Wait, this movie is referencing 2019's <laughs> La La Land? I Yes. Can you believe that? Somehow Scorsese got a hold of that script all the way back yeah. in 1976. <laughs> uh, no, the opposite. Damien Chazelle's uh, La La Land. I know, I know. Just being a goof. Uh, it's even New called York, La La Land. You know what I mean? It's even called... Yeah. 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 Anyway. My feelings are reversed of how I feel about the cities to how I feel about the films. I know. (laughs) (laughs) I like living in L.A., and I prefer to movie New York, New York. Yeah. Um, We got to get into some trivia on this, because there's some good good stuff. (laughs) Were you guys aware that I learned to play the saxophone in order to make this (laughs) podcast sound more authentic? (laughs) Made yeah, Un- unfortunately, your sax playing uh, still had to be overdubbed, Eric. <laughs> yeah. So also, Robert De Niro, copying me, also learned to play the saxophone in order to make his performance in New York, New York look more authentic. Unfortunately, his sax playing still had to be overdubbed. Yeah, I mean, it says he practiced, he, he learned to play in three months. I Obviously, <laughs> they overdubbed that. Yeah. He wasn't quite I wanna, a virtuoso. Also, when so. wouldn't they overdub that? I want to find the cut where it's not dubbed and you hear him <laughs> Me like... Me too. <laughs> burr, burr, all right. Hear him trying to play <laughs> in the scene. Yeah. Uh, the uh, Let's see here. Steven Prince, he's, who's becoming one of my favorite Scorsese yeah. behind the scenes characters. He's great, man. I hope he... I, I, I want to like... I want to know more about the about the Prince man. I hope he shows up in some way in every film. Yeah, but like he, a, uh, <laughs> he's the silent Bob of the Scorsese universe. <laughs> directed a scene himself with uh, or when Martin Scorsese walked off the set after a dispute with De Niro. Yeah, isn't that awesome? <laughs> yeah, Steve it's crazy Pr- that uh, Scorsese oh. let him do that too. Yeah, I mean, who knows if he even let him do it? Maybe they were just yeah, standing around. Stephen Prince was like, "Hey, I'll do it." There's a lot, lot less red tape back then. Prince's um, time to shine. Yeah, according to Stephen Prince, Liza Minnelli became romantically involved with De Niro and Scorsese. <laughs> wow, <laughs> this is that weird too because you would think this would be oh, this is the last time they worked together. No, they have like vacation photos of them doing like writing Raging Bull and then making it in eighty. So it's. They just had a life together. It's wild. Yeah. Pretty uh, pretty crazy. Wait, Hearn, wait. The, the photos are of who? Vacation. Uh, uh, sorry, uh, De Niro and Scorsese. Like, you would think that would be, like, oh. a last draw. But no, they're, oh. they're like, buds to the end, obviously. Yeah. Irishman. They're actually just getting started, kind of. <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that's crazy, though. Man, bros to the end, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just really, really nuts. Um, yeah. All of this, all, apparently a lot of this was uh, improvised. Uh, Liza Minnelli and Scorsese have said that virtually all the dialogue in the film was improvised. Hmm. Uh, that kind of, it seems like that could be the case. <laughs> Very lived in. I wonder yeah. who like got to improvise. Because there are some like non-actors. I wonder if it was just like very much a, just let them say like the gist of it. In yep. it, and then De Niro can react to it. How much zip zap zop do you think they were <laughs> playing before recording? 
Yeah, I want to I mean, see that. I want to see that uh, counting circle of Scorsese, De Niro, and Minnelli all with I, their heads. Yeah, in the I know. I know at least three people who are zip zap zapping apparently. Oh uh, my god! <laughs> I do want to, Jeremy. Did you watch any of the uh, the background, the uh, behind the scenes stuff on that Blu-ray? No, I, I didn't even see that there. I didn't even imagine it had okay. special features. I got a I got a two disc DVD set and I did wow. watch uh, a the couple hell? of the behind the, <laughs> behind the scenes things. <laughs> I wanted to watch the commentary, but you know, two and a half hours and uh, oh no, thank didn't you. Didn't have time. Yeah, I had to do this, I had to do this in two runs. By the way, I couldn't do it all in one sitting. They um they talked about uh and this is interesting. They talked about how um. You know, everyone knows the New York, New York song as a Frank Sinatra song. Yeah, it ain't. It's a. It's, it was a song. Liza There's... Minnelli did not write it, but it was composed specifically for her. Yeah, and uh, I mean, I think her performance, both performances. I mm. guess we hear it twice, two or three times in the movie, are uh, way better than the Sinatra version. And uh, they talk in the in the in the little mini documentary on the special features about how sad it is that that was kind of like that should have been her big you know song and suddenly Sinatra covers it and and, and everyone knows of it as a Sinatra song yeah it's kind of sad it's really sad um in it's, Liza it's Minnelli's sh- other uh breakout performance in Arrested Development they make <laughs> a wonderful joke about this where uh, Tobias is singing New York, New York in a club <laughs> and uh, Liza Minnelli walks by as her character, Lucille too, and says, uh, everyone thinks, everyone thinks uh, uh, Sinatra wrote that. That's the line. That's funny. Uh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, no, I didn't know about New York, New York being specifically for this uh, film. And that was really revelatory. It's also like, Kind of hard to divorce it still because the, even in the movie they're like constantly referencing the writing of it. They're, she's like, "Hey, does th- these vagabond su- shoes sound like a good line to De Niro?" Mm. And he's like, "Yeah, whatever." And then eventually she sings the whole song and like all pieces it together, and that's really like a revelatory moment in the film. But it is like we all know this song that like from yeah Sinatra, and that's kind of a shame. I don't think Minnelli's like hurting for his big songs though, but yeah, that is still like wild. Yeah, it's that that misunderstood. Can I say a, a funny piece of trivia? <laughs> I don't know why. Yes. I, f- I don't know why I find this so so silly. But Martin, hold Sc- on, hold on. I gotta make sure I'm not drinking a sip of water so I don't do yeah. a spit take. Oh, okay, great, great. Well, everyone, okay. swallow right, your liquids. Ahead. Everyone, swallow your liquids. Okay, Martin Scorsese called this his Valentine to Hollywood. <laughs> uh, maybe. It should have been like his Valentine to New York. I don't know, but uh, mm. apparently this is his Valentine to Hollywood. Uh, pretty ironic. The movie New York, New York. That's my love letter to Hollywood. Um, let's see here. Scorsese's drug addiction and lack of control over the dialogue <laughs> was a contributor. Uh, to the film's failure, according to Peter Bizkind's book, Easy Riders, Raging Bulls. So, yeah, I guess this this came out the same year, or did this come out? Hold on. When did The Last Waltz come out? Is that 78? I think it's oh, after. Yeah, that's 78. Yeah. So, yeah, Scorsese's doing a lot of cocaine at the, during New York, yeah. New York, I think, right? I believe Allegedly. so. Allegedly. I was wondering I mean, how much... Yeah. 
I was wondering how much the production of Last Waltz influenced this, because this is very much about, like, the traveling and the stress of, like, being in a band and everything, and I wonder if, like, one informed the other somehow. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, maybe. That's interesting, yeah. Maybe, the, maybe like, Possibly. stylistically a little bit more than anything sure, else. Like, the way, the way they he, were shot, you know? Yeah, the way he films a lot of, like, the scenes and the performances and the bars and stuff is really cool, and I feel like that was, like, afforded in a different way than how he films The Last Waltz. Yeah. Uh, oh, also in this little, like, making of documentary, they were talking about how... I think it might have been Mardik Martin talking about this Scorsese collaborator but they were talking about how like back in the day they used to just because it was super cheap they would like just hire like totally fresh screenwriter like screenwriters who had like never done anything like never gotten anything made before just because it was super cheap to just pay them to write scripts mm. And they would just churn them out, and they'd go through all these scripts, and a lot of them were, you know, bad and stuff. But that's how this uh, movie came to. That's how this story came to be. Is this guy Earl Mac Roush was kind of like, I guess, picked by some production company to just. They gave him like a some, probably a criminally small amount of money in retrospect uh, to just write write a movie, and the, I'm wow. sure they gave him like a little bit of direction, but. I don't know. It was interesting to hear about that because that, like, those, uh, like, that doesn't exist anymore. Now it's like, oh, you can, like, you're, like, the nephew of this famous person, so you can make a movie. Wow. Rather than, oh, let's, like, let's actively try and, like, give money to, like, up-and-coming writers to, like, see if they can write something good and then produce the good ones. Damn. I mean... When I was looking at the credits, uh, Earl Earl, Ma- Earl Earl Matt Roche was also like a writer on uh, the Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai across the Eighth Dimension. Like that's his other big claim to fame. Very wildly different films. We'll do that on the. Uh, we'll have you back, Michael, for the Patreon Ooh, to do uh, Buckaroo Banzai. Hey. I'm down. So VJ Day. Nineteen forty five. A massive celebration in a New York City nightclub is underway. Music provided by the Tommy Dorsey Orchestra, a swinging band, I must say. To put it in the way Robert De Niro says it. What do you what do you guys think of this? Uh the opening scene here. Um I uh you got De Niro walking around. Yeah. Making up, I don't understand what his like whole ruse was with like <laughs> it, like we never got to see like the like his full plan, like a successful <laughs> version of it. Where he yeah. he would get to the point where he's like, "Look, that's my that's my mother over there." She said, and then he like you don't really see where he goes where he's gonna go from there. <laughs> I thought I feel this like- was uh, super long. Like <laughs> like um, at one point he has like his little final conversation with Liza Minnelli before the scene cuts. And I think the whole scene could have just been that. It was just like, it just felt like one of these, I don't know if you guys have seen The Deer Hunter, but it felt like one of these Deer Hunter moments where we're supposed to just kind of hang out with everybody. But like, man, 
I, the thought of Scorsese being on Coke and being in the editing room going like, nah, it all stays. It all stays. Don't cut a thing. Like that like kept ringing in my ears the whole time I was watching this movie. So I might be a little hard on some of the film because I feel like some of the scenes were like, just could have been cut so much earlier. And this is definitely one of them. But man, how cool is this like environment? It's like location. Yeah. It's so cool. And like, man, Scorsese likes to get messy for sure there's like confetti all over the place people are spilling their drinks and shooting champagne in the air everyone (laughs) looks sticky as hell it is so much fun to be in a messy scene in a scorsese film yeah reminded me of my sweet 16 right (laughs) yeah Yeah, exactly and so in order my favorite things about this movie in order number one liza minnelli Mm -hmm. number two the set decorations. Yeah. The sets look amazing. And yeah. and Scorsese talks in this documentary about how he's like um he he it's basically like a blend of like realistic New York and the like old timey film, you know, version of New York. And how like like uh he he was really into painted like uh, clearly fake backdrops, like when they're uh, they're in North Carolina or whatever, you know what I mean? And they're talking in the woods. Like it couldn't be a more obviously painted background. It almost looks like they're filming it on like a. It, it almost looks like a stage set or something for like a play. Um, but it looks amazing. And there's something weird. Ab- there's there. There's like this weird combination of like obviously phony and kind of realistic that I really like. And I've never been to New York City, so I don't know what it actually is like, and I definitely haven't been there in the 70s. But uh, it's cool. I like this New York. I like this version of New York that he puts together. Yeah, we talk about the film being sort of this gritty thing, and I think it is, but it's not really... Gritty is kind of the wrong word because you're right. All the sets are very artificial. Like All the locations feel very... like like uh, painted and, and, and sort of artfully done beautiful in a way, you know? Um, I totally agree with that. It kind of, I mean, the film kind of looks like a musical. A lot of it looks like it's just kind of shot like a musical in those sounds, in those like sound stages with those big painted backgrounds. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of, Okay, so yeah, we do get we do get uh, De Niro harassing Liza Minnelli right away. Oh yeah, she's like, "Please leave. I want you to get <laughs> yeah. up from my table," and he just doesn't. <laughs> he truly annoys. Like we, over the course of the movie, we see this guy like annoy a woman into marrying him. Oh my gosh, it's brutal. Yeah, and the and the thing that Jack. So my girlfriend and I watched this and. Right away, she's immediately just like super hella triggered by what's happening, and. Uh, but one thing she pointed out was that like Liza, this is a, like a weird, this is a weird thing, but it's very specific to like filmmaking, right? But like in performance, but like Liza Minnelli is also not telegraphing to the audience that she's intrigued or even kind of comfortable with what he's doing. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like there's not even uh-huh. a real, there's, she doesn't even present like a cat and mouse kind of scenario or like somebody who kind of wants to be flirted with that way. She, her performance is very like, you can see the worry and kind of concern on her face a lot. So that that element of it extra doesn't help in convincing me that this isn't just a w- wild gaslighting ex- experiment. 
Yeah. Uh, while there, selfish and smooth-talking saxophone player Jimmy Doyle meets small-time USO singer Francine Evans, who, although lonely, still wants nothing to do with Jimmy, who keeps posturing her for her phone number. Uh, the next morning, they end up sharing a cab, and against her will, Francine accompanies Jimmy to an audition. There, he gets into an argument with the club owner, uh, Francine, to get the audition back on track, begins to sing the old standard, you brought a new kind of love to me. What do you guys think of like this style of music? Is this like show tunes? What like what is it? It's like a jazzy. I don't know. I well, how would you? What would you even classify this as? Oh man, I I don't know. Hearn, do you know music well enough to classify different I types mean, of jazz? <laughs> not. I was about to say not this type of music because he yeah. is kind of like doing like because kind of the dynamic too is that uh, De Niro's character is very jazzy, and then Liza's character is very like. I don't know if it is show tunes, but very, like, theatrical pop, like, very, like, you know, song-structured music and lyrics type stuff of the time. So it's funny that this is, like, their bonding moment, is that she's kind of, like, forcing him to be on her side for a bit. And even, like, that th- that scene was, like, fun, too, where, like, the guy is yelling at her, like, hey, dance, and, she, and the Nero's moving. He's like, no, her. And yeah. stuff like that. It's, like, a fun dynamic of, like, yeah, like, she's the... Uh, real star of it all it also seemed like when they got the audition it was like a little beneath her because she had like an, it turns out she had an agent the entire time and stuff and she's dating other work yeah uh but yeah like i don't i don't know like it sometimes they i don't know if they full-on go like from different eras but it seems like like when they're performing as a traveling band eventually it's different like eras from like just the 70s music and much like La La Land, the guy has to kind of like accept that jazz is a dying form. Yeah. Uh, well, also, it's important to note, I guess, that this movie is taking place in 1945. So true. It's not. Um, it's like uh, it's such yeah. a specific era, you know. Yeah. Well, big. So the the style of music that De Niro is playing with it with that band is is I think it's mostly big band music. Mm-hmm. But like the Manelli stuff, Little like band. this, you brought a new kind of love to me. Is like, it's an interesting, it's an interesting style. I yeah. like. It. I don't know if I, I don't know if I like. It's like a kind of music that I necessarily like, but I really enjoyed watching her perform it. Mm-hmm. Um. Anyway, the club owner is impressed, and to Francine's astonishment, they are both offered a job as a boy-girl act. Did you guys, by the way, though, just in general, outside of the music, like this scene? I this is one of the few scenes I thought yeah. like they they actually seemed compatible or something. They seemed like they're having fun together or something. Yeah, yeah. Um, but she's saving his butt a little bit, and then yeah. he's kind of having to go on with it. Like that's happened. A, that happens a little bit here and there where there's like a weird dynamic uh, mm-hmm. between the two, where it's like now she has the power a little bit. I mean, she she ends up having like a lot of power, but it's more like now he's going along with it instead of being the narcissist who like rather self destruct Valerie mm-hmm. Wade. Like he kind of forced her to be there in the first place, but now he's kind of like at her mercy as they're like playing, and he has to fall in line a little. Yeah, and I, I feel like yeah. everything you're describing really comes out in their performances. Yes. which I which I I do want to mention. 
they're both like incredible. <laughs> like they both like have won Oscars at this point in their career and like are yeah. so good at acting. They're like they're so good at what they're doing on screen. Um even if like what he's doing is repulsive, uh, you know, they're both just like so watchable, you know. Mhm. No, I wonder like how uh, big of a time. Like, it's a shame because I know it's obviously a bots have a swap. Like, it should have been like a big deal that these two were in a film together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wonder though, because like I have a hard time seeing De Niro as a leading man, um, like this, like a romantic guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I wonder if also America had trouble as well <laughs> after <Perhaps>. Taxi Driver. <laughs> Hey, what's he going to do? Shit up her family? Gosh. And he, yeah, and he kind of doesn't. He acts. He kind of acts like he is going to. Yeah. <laughs> From that moment on, Jimmy and Francine's relationship deepens into a mix of obsession and love. But there are problems. Mainly, Jimmy's tendency to fight with his coworkers and his increasingly violent arguments with Francine, who becomes pregnant with his child. Uh, an especially bad shouting match between them results in Francine going into labor. This is uh, insane. You talk about good acting. I mean, yeah. holy crap! Yeah. This was uh, this was like so hard to watch because it was like executed so well and uh, just extremely uncomfortable. It it was like it was. It's like it's it captures that feeling of like. You somehow are with like some like you're watching like an argument in public mm-hmm. that is like gone be like the people arguing have got just like completely forgotten that they're in public and yeah. you're just seeing like raw human emotion and it's like super super uncomfortable. Uh, yeah, it's 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 nuts. Did you guys read that uh, piece of trivia that's like? That scene was so intense and went off the rails so bad that all three of Scorsese, De Niro, and Liza Minnelli all ended up in the emergency room. <laughs> what? Yeah. I don't even know what that means or what that could possibly mean. Or how, yeah. Yeah. Or like, what? what is that? Yeah. What? How did they? <laughs> what happened? What happened? I mean, what, what I ended up in the ER, but that's because I was watching <laughs> while I was driving. Well, right. Yeah. Totally. Um, well, shouldn't have done that. Yeah. yeah, I probably shouldn't. Have. I should stop doing that. Uh, Jimmy rushes her to the hospital where she delivers a baby boy, but Jimmy is not ready to be a father or a good husband, and he abandons his wife, declining to see him newborn, see his newborn son as he leaves the hospital. So they just so here they have this like crazy argument, and he's just like screaming at this poor pregnant woman, mm-hmm. uh, just being like an absolute jerk. And here she has this baby. She goes into labor, has his child, bears his child. Yeah. <laughs> brings, you know, his his son into the world. And uh, she, like, tells him his name. And his first reaction is like, you know something? You should have uh, <laughs> asked me first. It was mm-hmm. like a Curb Your Enthusiasm <laughs> <laughs> scene. Uh, I don't, yeah. yeah, I don't like it. I just don't like that name. Yeah, he is hateable. I mean, hateable in this. Just so repulsive. This is one of the worst of all. One of the worst examples of all where he just like, he can't even let her enjoy having just had a shot. You know what I mean? Like, he's like, he just like ruins that memory. 
for her. Uh, several and and the name that they chose for the child was Jeremy. Yeah, was Jeremy of all of all things too. So I'm over here going, yeah. wait, why does he hate that name? <laughs> Jeremy De Niro. Jeremy <laughs> name De Niro. <laughs> Uh, several years later, in a recording studio, Francine works uh, records uh, But the World Goes Round, a powerful anthem which makes the charts and turns her into a popular entertainment figure. Mm-hmm. In the years that follow, Jimmy and Francine both find success in the music industry. He becomes a renowned jazz musician and club owner, while she becomes a successful singer and film actress. La La Land. La La Land. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's literally the outcome of La La Land. Yeah. Yes. Um, when when was the first La La Land? Was it La La Land? Of the of the trilogy of La La Lands? <laughs> yeah. The original La La Land. I think it's like 20, when did it come out? 26, 2017, something like that? No, the original La La Land. There's an original La La Land? Oh, no, I'm thinking of... Uh, I'm thinking of something else. Are you thinking of... Never mind. Are you thinking of uh, The Wizard of Oz? <laughs> I thought La La Land... Was I was, was confusing La La Land with something else. Yeah. Oh, La La Land's the one with Gosling and Emma Stone. Ah. Yes. Yes. All uh. right. So that that explains why a uh, joke I made earlier was met with uh, silence. <laughs> <laughs> what was it? What was the joke? Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Oh no! I hate that. I yeah. just want to point out, like her movie version thing is very also kind of like La La Landy. It's bending a lot of theatrical stuff with cinematic stuff. The movie about her. Well, it's like a play, right? At first, that or is it a movie? It's hard to tell. Because she's, like, in a play where she's a uh, usher to a movie theater, and then it becomes, like, this big song and dance, and then it cuts back, and then it becomes, yeah, like, movie, multiple setting thing. And I forget if that's As the World Goes Round or if that's a different song, but, yeah, the the movie that kind of gets made out of that. It's kind of really interesting, a really, like, fun, stylistic departure for Strasizzi in the middle of all this. Yeah. Man, yeah, he really wanted to get away from that image, I think, of the gangster film guy, you know? But it still ends up in this film, it feels like a gritty, a gritty, like, taxi driver-like Mean Streets. Very similar in tone in a lot of ways. Yeah, and I mean, then his follow-up is going to be Raging Bull, which is Raging gangster, Bull, right, yeah, but yeah. it's very, very gritty. Yeah. So it kind of rescinds on, like, the fantastical elements for a bit until, I don't know, I guess 90s, maybe? Mm. Yeah. So uh, Jimmy records a song of his own, uh, of his... Jimmy records a song of his on his saxophone, which tops the jazz charts, and Francine cements stardom after singing the same song New York, New York for which she has provided the lyrics Uh, her performance received by a wildly appreciative audience takes place in the same nightclub where years earlier she and Jimmy had met after the show Jimmy telephones his ex-wife suggesting they get together for dinner Francine is tempted 
I feel like here's a little sidebar because at this point we're we're not only a movie podcast, we're a podcast that critiques Wikipedia writers. <laughs> <laughs> they did skip over a lot. Yeah, this isn't this isn't like uh, uh, you're not writing like a novel or something. You don't yeah. have to like. Okay, after the show, Jimmy telephones his ex-wife. The ex-wife you're referring to is Francine. Just say yeah, Francine. You don't have to like use a different word just to like. This isn't like a high school essay. Oh my gosh! Anyway, I can't Francine wait. I can't wait to read the cheerleader camp Wikipedia. <laughs> Francine is tempted, (laughs) heads toward the stage door exit, but at the last moment changes her mind. Uh, Jimmy, waiting on the sidewalk, realizes he has been stood up and heads off down the street, accompanied by the song he has written, the theme from New York, New York. I got to say, fan of the ending. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Great ending. It really mirrors the opening of going up from De Niro's feet to going back down to De Niro's feet. On the uh, streets of, I forget what city this is in. Uh, yeah, what city it? does this? What, what, yeah, yeah. Where, where did this happen? <laughs> oh, yeah. Dayton, Ohio. Chicago. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Scottsdale, Arizona. <laughs> mm. But um, you know what I was waiting for? You know the New York episode of The Simpsons? Oh yeah. Yes, classic. The New York, uh, it's a hell of a town kind yeah. of song. Mm-hmm. I wasn't sure if, like, for some reason I had it in my head that, like, that is from this movie and that mm. that song was going to show up yeah, somehow. But, like, but like, uh, like that, like, the Simpsons version is, like, a spoof or something. Never showed up. I was kind of, kind of, kind of upset. Hmm. And that's from the movie On the Town, uh, Gene Kelly. Oh, it's from yeah. another movie. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, because they even have like a sailor popping in The Simpsons, and that's the reference. Interesting. Uh, I guess yeah. there wasn't like as much of a celebration of like New York as like a tourist town, because they even spend a lot of it, the movie outside of New York, New York, going on tour and stuff. Um. Well, <laughs> we talk. We 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 watch New York, New York. It's all of our first viewings. Mm-hmm. Um, Jeremy, at this point. We've seen everything that Scorsese's done to this point. And I got to say, I'm yeah. happy. I'm like ha- pleased to see that he's like taking these big, uh, doing like really different things. Like he's trying things out pretty early in his career. Like Alice Doesn't Live Here Anymore was like his third movie. Mm. And it's like nothing like a movie that you would uh, expect a Scorsese to do. Uh, same with same with New York, New York, I think. It's like it, it's diverts from the uh sort of his normal maybe not even his normal like style of film but just the more popular ones that mm. you kind of like come to know him for so yeah. uh we'll start with you mr hearn final thoughts on new york new york and uh you gotta rate it if turn. you wouldn't mind yeah give right. me give, give out me of some four uh, chucky out of, yeah out of four chucky all right Jared, i was making sure that was going to be the rating system <laughs> yep oh yeah Hasn't uh <laughs> yeah like like I said, this was a blind spot, and again, I I haven't been watching them from the start like you guys have, so my context is a little out of whack. So I'm not like thinking of this as like oh the follow up to Taxi Driver, which it is. I'm thinking of it as just like a Scorsese film I never got to see. Mm. Um, but and just to clarify also something, my mom doesn't like this film. I posted about it, and my mom commented that she thought it was terrible, and apparently oh. it was kind of a bomb. 
And I feel like a lot of it is the element of it's such a weird anti-rom-com version of its elements, but, like, for me, that, I don't know, I found it really endearing in a weird way of, like, how real it was, how real some of the struggles were, how uh, some of the contents was really interesting and unique, and then, of course, like, yeah, there are a lot of cinematic moments, there are a lot of cool shots and a lot of cool, like, set dressing and a lot of cool interesting elements, and then, of course, the performances from, like, De Niro and Minnelli are really, like, above and beyond and then it's just a matter of like does the story and i feel like the story works in its really like own unique like uh some like 70s version of like the fame and fall way that isn't cliche or token but it is a little bit like messy and it's whether or not you can appreciate its messiness or not and i kind of i came around to it i basically ultimately liked how messy it was how like this isn't like the story of how you, like, struggle and fail and then succeed in fame, it is just, like, these people's story, and I feel like that's kind of what the ending even signifies for me, is that this is, like, a, a tale of two people in this city. Um, I I ultimately really liked it. I don't think I would call it one of my very favorite Scorsese's, and, uh, I, but I could see someone who, like, is really more into its, like, theatrical style appreciating it more. But I think just as it is, it's kind of, like, uh... I don't know, I think it leans into its messiness to a degree that may off-put it sometimes, but I kind of appreciate it for that, I guess. How many Freddy Chuckles is the, uh, Matt's, the Freddy Chuckles? Oh, oh, uh, Freddy's Chuckles? (laughs) Yeah, Freddy's Chuckles. Uh, it's, uh, it's four is the max, and, uh... And you can do like point two. We do it in increments of two five, point two five. Gotcha. All right, out of, uh, what was it, four again? Four. Four, all right. Chucky Freckles. I might go with a solid free. I don't need to do any nice. point fives. Uh, it is, yeah, it's good and interesting. I don't know. I wouldn't reach the upper echelon for some stuff, and I feel like I even have some like personal favorites that outrank it that are even weirder, and I feel like that they lean into the weirdness of it a little more. Mm. I feel like this one is a little on the cusp, but it is still pretty interesting, and I feel like also a lot of good elements going for it. Strasezzi's shooting style for like the band performances included. It's really cool. Solid three. That's a that's a great yeah. score. That is a uh, a happy Gilmore score right there, Hearn. Oh yeah, oh yeah, Jeremy, you're up next, buddy boy. All right. Lay it so on. the first thing I'm going to do is, unfortunately, I'm going to change my wedding singer score. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm going to change it from three point two five to three. Uh, I love that movie. I love that movie, but it is. I I realize Happy Gilmore is also at a three, and I don't love it more than Happy Gilmore. I'm realizing right now. So I love it the same. I love them the identical. But uh, I'm giving New York, New York a 2.75. That is the Alice Doesn't Live Here Anymore score. Uh, (laughs) It's a great movie. I think that's like definitely, I would call it a hidden gem. I think the only reason that I'm giving it lower than a three because it's got great performances, a great story, it's shot really well, is uh, just the length. I think the le- I think it's just like a yeah. little too long, and I think that the perf- like you're kind of exhausted, and they kind of re- repeat a lot of beats in the movie. And while I, I don't have any prescriptions of what I would cut, other than just trimming scenes entirely, um, I, I I I do know that something in here could probably go. Um, I remember having a lot of the same feelings throughout the movie. They weren't really changing about the characters. Uh, but I, I guess all that to say it, 
it it maybe doesn't have quite the roller coaster experience that maybe you, you want out of a film like this. Like it has these this that moment like in the taxi, right? And like the dream sequences. It does have re- really high highs, but I don't think it quite uh, definitely doesn't get to the the heights of uh, something like a Taxi Driver. Um, uh, and but you know, but it's also it's also very good. So two point seven five. That's my final answer. Eric Keppel. Um, so first I would like to start off by, uh, <laughs> offsetting Jeremy's, uh, <laughs> you know, lowering of his wedding singer score for, uh, to three out of four by raising my happy mm. Gilmore score from 3.5 to 3.75. Oh, wow. that's happy Gilmore. Oh no. Yeah. Oh wow. That's huge. That's huge. It's a big bump. I don't have a 3.75 um, yet for this, for this, uh, this podcast. I got fours yes. and, and threes, and uh, you know I think our bu- our buddy Michael Hearn was right on the money. This is a solid three out of four. I mean, Ooh. this is a movie that like is not going to lie to you. I was kind of bored at times, but the high <laughs> points, like I said, are really high. That every single musical moment with Liza Minnelli is really good. De Niro's character sucks, but he's like kind of fun to watch like when he's freaking out on the band the different guys in the band it's like it's entertaining and like uh you know kind of reminded me of whiplash a little bit Mm -hmm. um it's good stuff and there's like some of scorsese's best cinematic moments are in this so far for me like specifically the scene where they're dragging de niro out of the uh the club and he's like kicking out the lights you know they're in that like tunnel of lights um there's just a lot of a lot of really good beautiful shots um and it's cool and uh i like the i i like the portrayal of of new york in this and it's it's an interesting interesting uh time period and and whatever so three out of four for new york new york and uh jeremy oh by the way michael hearn while we have you here what's do you have a favorite adam sandler film I think it is Happy Gilmore. Uh, yeah, like I feel feel like Wedding Crashers kind of comes close. Mm. Uh, and I mean, if we're going outside of his normal range, of course, Uncut Gems and Punch Drunk Love are terrific. Oh, did but, you like, call it Wedding Crashers? I love that. Oops, you mean oh, you sorry, mean the the wedding weddings. singer? <laughs> yeah, yeah, the wedding singer. Wedding, I was like, oh man, are we gonna cover Wedding Crashers in this? <laughs> I'm actually not. Uh, we, should, we, we should. We should cover we should it anyway. Yeah. Uh, Her, do you like uh, Gilmore better than Madison? Ha- uh, Billy Madison? Yeah, I, I feel I've always have actually. I feel like the general story and like the the side dads and like the side characters of Gilmore are a lot funnier to me. Nice. Uh, yeah, I'm on uh, Gilmore's side. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, of like the normal comedies, yeah, it's Happy Gilmore, uh, with maybe Wedding uh, Cinder at a good second. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a Madison guy, Billy Madison. That one, the, uh-huh. after a recent watch of both of them, like, stood out the the most. I want to rewatch Big Daddy. I ought because, to rewatch it because I rewatched it not that long ago, and I didn't like it as much. I'm hoping I'm going to like no. it more more. Uh, that one's more weird. This I, time. I never watched it back in the day, and when I watched it, it's just so weird. It's like, wait, what? What is this? It's uh, not even just like the concept, but then like the side characters, like, mm-hmm. uh, which 
where it's like uh, John Stewart was the like deadbeat dad or something. Yeah. It's so weird. <laughs> yeah. It's got a it's got a weird like yeah like a uh, setup. <laughs> yeah. So I'm- next week. We are mm. back to covering the Sandman, and Jeremy, we are going to be jumping straight to the Waterboy. Oh yeah, Waterboy! I've already Bobby watched Boucher it. Himself, <laughs> which actually came out the same year as the Wedding Singer. I think we've discussed this. Yes. But also in 1998, I propose that we cover uh, a film that Adam Sandler is in for. I'm going to say four seconds. Perfect. Uh, the Bob Saget film <laughs> Dirty, Dirty Work, work. Starring <laughs> Norm Macdonald and Artie Lang. One of my favorite movies when I was a teenage boy. I think we'll have to cover that on the Patreon in uh, probably. I wonder how that holds up. Oh yeah, man, I'm sure, I'm sure not. it's not great, but I can't wait. To <laughs> <laughs> it's so good though. That scene where they're like hiding fish in the mafia boss's yeah. mansion. <laughs> Uh, no, it's good. It's, it's good stuff. Yeah. Also, uh, I think that's Chris Farley's last. I think it is too. Was it? Mm. Yeah. yeah. He has nose bitten off. I hear. Yes. Uh. Yeah. So anyway, Michael Hearn, thank you for joining us. Anything mm. you would like to plug? Uh. Yeah. Very different film from what we discussed, but I did a short film that I'm trying to put out soon. Uh. You can find a, a trailer of it on my uh. Twitter and Instagram at Michael C. Hearn and my website, michaelchern.com. Um, it's a show called Bait Ideas Detective Agency, which is a short film starring Michael Stevens and Vera Varachetti about two young boy detectives. Uh, yeah, check it out, please. Uh, let me know what you think. Wait, Hearn is, it, Hearn, is it out? No, just the trailer. Ah, just the trailer. Sorry. Yeah, let me know how excited you are for the final product, and, you know, I'll appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yes, and I will, I, will, I, will, I will tweet that out from the show account, too. Uh, Hubie Halloween 1, so you can go over there and, and, and find it. Uh, Please. Uh, and, yeah. And, uh, Jeremy, anything you would like to plug? Never. Absolutely not. Go mm. to go to michaelchern.com. Hey, slash uh, detective agency. My birthday wish came true. Yay. <laughs> and for me, go to michaelchern.net, <laughs> my new website. Uh-oh. And yeah. uh, no, go to go to Michael's website. Check out the short film. Uh, thank you again for joining us. And uh, Norma, I'll see you in my dreams. Mm-hmm.